We all have a story to tell. The longer our lives, the richer our stories. When I look at you, I see a woman of strength, integrity, character. A woman who has seen hardships, struggles, pain, and loss. A woman who has compassion, love, courage, and power. A woman who has succeeded, failed, and learned. A woman who will continue to persevere and thrive. When I look at you, I see a woman who is wise, not withered. Hello and welcome to season three of the Wise Not Withered podcast. This is episode seven, another five bullet point list and me just riffing off of those five points. So let's dive right in. Number one, um, so those of you that don't know me personally, I started this project uh, four years ago when I was 26 and I am 30 now and there are definitely um, some people that either thought I was middle-aged and or elderly. I mean, I guess one or the other. They're not the same thing. Um, when I reached out to them, they thought that I was in the age range that I am advocating for. Or people thought that I was only looking for artists who are in that age range to participate. And there were some people who have participated so far that are middle-aged, which is good, um, which is great to have that representation, but I didn't think it was absolutely necessary in order for them to participate. Although, as I said in the last episode, it was kind of kind of funny. I mean, I just, I just, took it as funny because it's just it's just how our society is i did have to say like she needs to look older you know to the artists or there were certain things that happened in the plot where i was like this is not something an older woman would do she would have a lot more maturity than this um but yeah i even had some people say oh isn't it weird for a young woman to be doing this project about older women and yeah maybe it is weird but you know I'm I'm not just going to just sit on this idea and wait until I get to be that age and it's it's a privilege to grow older that's also a big part of this um, I didn't want to just sit on this idea and wait until I turned 40 to start this project. Yeah, I mean, it's a big thing in general in our society that, you know, I now that I am 30, I mean, I've heard people, especially women, um, even when I was younger in my mid to late 20s, you know, just complaining like, oh, we're so old. And it's like, you know what? No, we are not. Like, I think it's obviously I don't know firsthand yet what it is like to have, you know, physical aches and pains um, in your body and, 
you know, have mental deterioration, you know, when you get um, even older. I don't understand that firsthand yet, but I also, especially since my mom passed away two and a half years ago, it really is just a privilege to grow older. And while I still am young, I really want to embrace aging. Like I said, I won't understand until I experience it. The um, the changes that will happen to my body as I age, especially if I have children and menopause and all of the other things that happen when you get older. But it just, I am really trying to fight against this idea that we just automatically complain about getting older um, because it's it's just it's a social construct it's a it's a cultural construct there's really no real reason other than our bodies changing as we age there's no reason other than that to really fear getting older just inherently I mean I think as women also um, women we we see ourselves as you know we won't be attractive to men anymore when we are older and we can no longer have children and I just I think it's just it's such an unconscious just such a small-minded way to view ourselves just the age of our physical body to diminish our worth to just how old our bodies are. I don't know if you can tell in my controlled, angry voice that I am very passionate about this. Yeah, I just, it is a privilege to grow older and that is the whole fucking point of this project. And yeah, maybe it's kind of weird that a woman in her late 20s would start something like this, but I also think, you know, I had the idea then and I wanted to do something about it then. And as I grow older and as I grow wiser, I will learn more and more. And I want to document that for myself, first and foremost, but also for anyone listening and anyone that will listen anytime in the future. So those are my thoughts on that. All right, so number two, this one is um, just kind of a just a little to-do list for myself that there are still four characters that need a writer and or an illustrator. So there's Candace, who is kind of like the flagship um, of the whole project. Um, I I don't I don't like to say I have a favorite character I mean it's probably Candace or Nancy just because those two characters are just so near and dear to my heart and I absolutely love their stories so much but yeah Candace still needs an illustrator and um Tala is actually an interesting one because she has her illustrations done from the ideas that I had with the writer that she used to have and who just dropped off the face of the earth, um, which I'll get to later, but she still needs a writer, but it's kind of interesting because she has her illustrations done, but she still needs an author to write a story to go with those illustrations. 
So that'll be interesting. Then Elisaveta or Elisaveta also needs an illustrator. Um, she did have an illustrator who provided a couple of really great pictures. Um, and then again, I just never heard from her and we weren't able to finish, um, finish her illustrations. So I still need to find someone for her. And then the blind assassin, um, this one's also kind of strange because I need a writer and an illustrator for her. So Candace still needs an illustrator. So does Elisaveta. Tala needs a writer and then our unnamed or anonymous um, as of yet. Blind Assassin also needs both a writer and an illustrator. So that's just a little place marker for me. Um, if someone listening wants to do any of those, you know, reach out wisenotweathered at gmail.com. Um, but otherwise, I those are my priorities. Um, those four characters they are my priorities for who i'm going to start recruiting next when i do start recruiting people again um before i move on to the sound part of it the voice actors and music all right so um point number three so this one is this one is a really really deeply personal one so just the idea of cultural belonging. Um, I am biracial. I, my mom's side of the family is Filipino, um, indigenous Filipino, actually. We have no Spanish in our blood. I took a little DNA test. Um, we do have a little bit of Chinese in our blood, but um, it's mostly Filipino. And on my dad's side is um, broadly Western European. We don't know exactly where. I want to say like Scottish, Welsh, Irish. We're not really sure. Um, my grandparents on my dad's side um, were born and raised here. I believe in New Jersey, somewhere on the East Coast. And I think their parents also grew up here. So I'm not sure exactly where my dad's side of the family is from. So I am biracial, um, pretty much culturally American. Um, my mom and my uncle, um, my, you know, my mom's younger brother, they, um, their parents, you know, my maternal grandparents came from the Philippines and they really, they faced a lot of discrimination as immigrant immigrants and, understandably they wanted my mom and my uncle to assimilate into the culture and so they didn't even teach them the language um i think my mom said she could understand bits and pieces and my uncle has taught me a few phrases in um, ilocano yeah our family didn't speak tagalog the um, the I think it's the most common Filipino dialect. Yeah, we spoke Ilocano. And I feel like nowadays, like if they had come to the U.S. now, it, I, I feel like just in my experience, I mean, there's no real way I can ever know, but I feel like they would have been more inclined to teach their kids their language. But... You know, because they experienced a lot of discrimination themselves, they wanted to 
have their kids be Americanized, which I mean, quite honestly, means kind of whitewashed. And so I feel really, really disconnected from my Filipino culture. I mean, I, I really don't feel like I have any connection to the Philippines or Filipino people just in general. I mean, I've, <clears throat> I've had Filipino friends, um, and Filipino classmates that like whenever I mention I'm half Filipino, people, people are usually like, Oh really? I didn't know that. I thought you were Latino. I thought you were just white. Like, um, but yeah, I just, I feel very disconnected from my Filipino side and, I have kind of wondered for a while what exactly it means to be American. Um, so that was an experience that I actually shared with a lot of the writers and illustrators as we got to know each other more. Um, in our introductory emails, I was saying like, you know, how do you identify culturally? And you know, what does culture mean to you? Just asking out of curiosity and also, you know, things that we can tie into the character. And the story and two interactions um, in particular really stood out to me. The writer and illustrator for um, Tunvi and Gabby, uh, Megna and um, Kristen, they really understood my perspective of, you know, not really feeling like they fit into really either culture. I think both of them um, grew up in a place that isn't what they racially identify as so having that um kind of cultural racial um like disconnect um was was something that they could both relate to and we we riffed on that for a while like in our um in our emails and it actually showed up in this story too which i just i really appreciated um just the whole idea of um, homosexuality being not culturally accepted in India, but being more accepted in um, Canada or at least parts of Canada. So that was pretty interesting. Um, but then, <laughs> oh man. So there was another writer who ended up not finishing the story and dropping off Um not in an amicable way unfortunately but when we first got connected it was it was I had a very very triggering experience with her um I opened up again about just the cultural racial ambiguity thing and I I know that my reaction is my own and it came from my own discomfort and insecurity in my own identity culturally but this this woman just really seemed to go off about like oh i'm from i'm just gonna uh, maybe just pick a random country like brazil she wasn't from brazil but let's just say brazil um just so i can have something to say and not just leave it empty but let's just say she was from brazil and she was like oh yeah i'm like my family is from Brazil and um, I feel so connected to my culture. Like we do all these Brazilian activities. I speak the Brazilian language. I, sorry if there's a different word for that, just um, for myself. 
I, you know, I speak this language. I feel so connected to the culture. And she just went on and on and on and on and on about how she's so connected to her Brazilian heritage. And I was just like, like, I did not respond to her email for like a good day or two because I was like, oh my God, how dare you? Like, it felt like a personal attack because I was thinking, I just opened up about how I feel so disconnected and she's just rubbing it in my fucking face about how she's so connected to her Brazilian culture. And yeah, I I got really triggered by that. Um, but, you know, I took I took a couple days to, you know, really reflect and be like, OK, this is this is my reaction. This actually has nothing to do with her. Actually, that is beautiful. That's great that she feels so connected to her culture. And I ended up, you know, responding like, oh, wow, that's really great. Like, let's see, like, what kinds of um, parts of your Brazilian culture can we add into the story? So I think I handled that well. But yeah, um, just I felt super triggered at first just about how amazingly connected she was to her culture when I'm over here like, I don't know who I am. that I have is just about respectfully letting people down um, because there were a lot of people that I did reach out to. Um, I guess this one was kind of near the beginning um, where I actually had some people reaching out to me because I had used a website and posted just like badass grandma project, you know, contact me if you're interested. Um, and so there was a woman that, um, she, uh, let's see, I, yeah, she was like, oh, I sure do have some writing samples. Here's a link. And she sent me some Google docs. And then I was like, oh, cool. Um, do you do any creative writing? That's what I'm looking for. And then she said, I do. Unfortunately, I lost my samples. I was like, what? (laughs) Okay. (laughs) So. I'm just gonna read the message that I sent to her um, because I'm actually, I'm pretty proud of how I handled this. So I said, hello, I'm not gonna say her name. Um, I appreciate your honesty. However, with nothing to gauge your creative writing abilities, I cannot offer you a place on my team. If you lost all of your samples, might I suggest building your portfolio back up? Freelance writing is a competitive business and having a diverse skill set is a must. I also strongly encourage you to go through and edit the samples you sent me. While you show great enthusiasm for the topics you chose to write about, there are quite a few errors in spelling, grammar, and overall formatting. A few quick corrections would allow readers to really focus on what's important in your piece. I hope these tips are helpful and I wish you all the best in your future endeavors. So it wasn't easy to pretty much reject some people, but I also, I made a very conscious decision to not apologize for not offering her a position. 
Um, I think that's important. I used to be, I'll just say a serial apologizer. Like I used to just apologize all the time, just being sorry for my existence. And now that I'm a lot older and a lot wiser, um, I, I mean, it's also because one of my former friends in high school really called me out on that. She was like, you apologize way too much. And you know, my, my first reaction was to say, I'm sorry, but you know, it's, I have found as I've gotten older that the more you apologize, the less impactful a real apology will be when it really is necessary. So I try to save apologies from when I really have hurt someone and am truly sorry for what I did or said to hurt them. And I mean, I, I guess, I guess maybe I will say sorry. Like if I bump into someone or, you know, like, Oh, sorry. What was that? I mean, I guess I don't need to say sorry for asking someone to repeat themselves. It's still something I'm working on, but I try to really not just apologize automatically. Like I used to as a teenager, and yeah, just respectfully letting people down is a skill I have definitely honed while doing this project. Yeah, and my last point. So it's, I was scouring through emails, um, emails through my wisenotwithered at gmail.com. As I mentioned before, if you ever want to send me an email, um, I was looking through those emails just from 2018 and, and onward, and I didn't look through all of them yet. I'll, I'll continue to look through them to um, come up with more stuff to do for this um, season three, for more topics to talk about. That might be interesting. But yeah, as I was looking through the emails, I it was a little painful, and I felt a bit of resistance in looking through them. Because there were just feelings of shame coming up in messages that were never answered, connections that were formed and lost, especially people I worked with for however long that ended up ghosting or just dropping off before any work was done. Like there were some people that I really felt a connection with and I, I thought that they were really on board with it. And then I really appreciated when people would say, you know, after all, I don't have the capacity to work on this, um, you know, to just own up to it before quitting, um, versus just ghosting. Like that has to be the most painful and the most, you know, it's painful also because it's like, I have no idea what happened. Like, did you die? Did you get sick? did you decide you don't like me anymore? Like, you know, that's like the biggest fear. Like, oh no, it's something I did. But, you know, even if it is something I did, it's probably most likely their reaction. And, you know, the whole thing with taking responsibility for my reaction to it, um, except it would be the opposite. Like they taking responsibility for their reaction to it. Um, but yeah, it was just... It was a bit painful to just go through all these emails 
um, because there were so many. I mean, most of them, I was looking through my sent folder and most of the emails were emails that I sent and never got a reply. Um, yeah, I mean, I guess, I guess I don't need to compare. Oh, well, what's more painful? But I think I would say the most painful ones weren't necessarily the cold emails that never got responded to, but the ones that we did form a connection and then they just dropped off. Like, especially the ones that I talked to, I, I talked to some writers and illustrators and they seemed so passionate and so interested and especially the ones who were from a place that I had never learned about before or a place that I didn't have represented in the project. I was really excited to, you know, put a stake on that part of the globe and say, oh, there's someone from here. It's like more diversity. And then, you know, especially people that I, I talked to over Skype or Zoom and we exchanged so many emails and messages and then suddenly I just never heard from them again. It's, it's painful, you know, I mean, it's, it's a relationship. It's, you know, it's not a romantic relationship, um, but it is a relationship and to just have someone ghost like that is really painful. Um, especially when I did feel a connection and I was really excited about what they were going to bring. So, um, yeah, I guess. Maybe just to end it on a more positive note, I guess if there's one takeaway from that, you know, I would just say, like from my own experience, especially with romantic relationships too, but any kind of relationship that there is some kind of investment on both ends and then you don't want to invest in it anymore, you know, just own up to it. It's it's not easy. It really is not easy to end any kind of relationship, but it's just, if you really think about it from the other person's perspective, just how painful it is to get ghosted, just please embrace the discomfort and own up to it and communicate it. Yeah, that's just what I would say um, as a takeaway, just please own up to the disconnection and there's really no wrong way to do it. Even if you're going to apologize and be like, uh, I'm not feeling this anymore. Sorry. Bye. You know, I think that's better than just ghosting and never saying anything and leaving the other person wondering indefinitely what happened. So that's all I got for today. Thank you for listening and I will see you again or you will hear me again next month. Bye-bye.